Well, we're going to work together on Ephesians chapter 4, 5, and 6 over the next two weeks. If you notice your outlines, on the top of it, it says the Christian walk. The Christian walk. Now, how many of you remember when you learned to walk? Me neither. But it is an adorable, wonderful little thing when you see little children begin to walk. In fact, the Tegler family can welcome Calvin Adams Tegler to the fold this morning. Adams and Kristen just bore their first child or second child. I knew that, second child. And so praise the Lord for that. But What's beautiful about walking, you know, when we see little children and they just start to make that, they just start to get up there, you know, they start to crawl and then they start to stand. And, and so we're going to talk about the Christian walk today and how God wants us to be walking in a way where we're mature. And so if you notice, we're going we're gonna to go from our emphasis of doctrine over the past couple months to the Christian walk together. So let me pray for us. And we'll jump into this together. Lord, I'm grateful for the word of God, how it is a light and a lamp unto our feet. Lord, we're grateful that you give us a path to walk down. And so help us to walk together. Help us to be led by your spirit. Help us to examine ourselves. Please, Lord, may we examine ourselves. May we help each other walk the worthy walk of Christ. And for for your exaltation, and for the edification of your body, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Christian walk. Well, Craig had suggested, over the last number of months, he suggested we move from a doctrinal emphasis to a walking emphasis or a practical emphasis. Doctrine is essential, and in the past few months, we've been studying doctrines like the doctrine of sin. We've been seeing Paul tell the Roman church that righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. The gospel reveals a righteousness that has been imputed to every believer. And from faith to faith, we believe in this righteousness. And it is a great hope for the Christian that we have Christ's righteousness on our behalf. And therefore, we're not saved by works, but we're saved by Christ's righteousness. And we've been learning about this doctrine. And we see from the Apostle Paul to the Roman church that there is a group of people, either you have the righteousness of Christ or you have ungodliness and unrighteousness and therefore God's wrath is revealed to you. And Paul is demonstrating this in Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3, which we've been covering this doctrine. And then, of course, in Sunday school in the past five weeks, we've been looking over anthropology, the doctrine of man, the doctrine of the study of man. And then some time ago, not too, too long ago, we were looking at Ephesians chapter 1 and looking at the, resource, the resources of believers, believers, our position in Christ and our resources that we have in Christ. And so we've been looking at doctrine, the doctrine of resources in Ephesians 1, the doctrine of anthropology in Ephesians chapter 2. I mean, that study of anthropology, the doctrine of anthropology was expanded, and we talked about um, many, many things in terms of the doctrine of man. Why was man created? But Ephesians chapter 2, you can clearly see the doctrine of 
depravity, you can also see the doctrine of salvation. So we've been talking about doctrine. We've been talking about what God has to say about these subjects, and it feeds our mind. And so <clears throat> um, this Sunday uh, and next Sunday, so for the next two weeks, we want to talk about the Christian walk. Because as God allows us to fill our minds with doctrine, now it's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of practicality. It's a matter of seeing it worked out in the Christian life. That's what it is about. It's not about ascending to knowledge. It's both. It's having an ascent to knowledge, what God has to say, and it's also a walk, a worthy walk, a Christian walk. And so we want to look biblically at this walk this morning. What's really interesting when you look at this pattern, it's very common, this pattern of doctrine and then walking. Doctrine and then walking. I mean, if I were to bring you, and I won't, but just for illustration's sake, if you look at Romans chapter 1, all the way through chapter 11, you're going to see this great emphasis on doctrine. The doctrine of sin, actually. The doctrine of righteousness. The doctrine of sin. The doctrine of faith. And it goes all the way, the doctrine of election, it's going to go all the way. And then at, after chapter 11, he turns this corner, and he's now going to tell the Christian how to walk. Remember? I urge you, Paul says, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I'm pleading with you by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God that you present yourselves to God. You walk in a way. So we see this doctrine. I could also turn you to, book, to the book of Ephesians. In fact, I would, in, I, would, I would encourage you to turn there. Book of Ephesians. That's what we're going we're gonna to use the book of Ephesians as the worthy walk, as the lowly walk, as the Christian walk. So Ephesians chapter 1, uh, chapter 1, verses, uh, chapter 1 through chapter 3, you can also see this pattern of doctrine. And then in chapter 4, we're going to look at that in a minute, but chapters 1, 2, and 3, the doctrine. You could look at chapter 1 and see our high position that we have in Christ and the resources that we've been given in Christ. You could look at Ephesians chapter 2 and see the doctrine of salvation, and underneath that, the, the doctrine of depravity, the doctrine of regeneration. Chapter 3, if you looked at Ephesians, you could clearly, clearly see the new man. And he talks about the old covenant and the new covenant and how Christ has abolished the law to create one new man in Christ. No longer a nation of Israel, but one new man, the church, in the church age. And so you see tremendous doctrine that feeds our mind. And then he turns this corner in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. And just turn and look there with me, because we're going to notice. And I want you to look at your outline here, because I want you to have a roadmap to where we're going. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Walk worthy. That's, that's the Christian walk. There's a purpose for you to walk. There is a result. Christ has done his work, and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, they have done this, this wonderful work, and now we are changed and therefore have the ability to walk worthy. And we're being called to that by the Apostle Paul. Walk worthy. Look at your outline, because I specifically wanted you to have an outline and a roadmap, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. But look at point number two. Walk not as the Gentiles. You're different. And so don't, don't go backwards. Go to maturity in Christ. Walk not as the Gentiles walk, verses 
17 of chapter 4. And then we're going to cover walk in love. Chapter 5, verse 2, walk in love. What does this mean to walk in love? And then in the fourth point, we're going to notice walk in light. And in fact, we're going to hear walk in light. And you know why? Because you are light. I know some of us don't realize that, and therefore we work and we work to try to be this light. And really what Paul's perspective here is and what Paul's teaching here is is that you are light now represent that and there's a different perspective there so walk is light chapter 5 verse 8 and then walk in wisdom walk in wisdom chapter 5 verse 15 christians ought to christians ought to display we ought to display the greatest amount of wisdom than any any people christian people ought to display a wisdom that is completely attractive we ought to have it a we, ought, we, ha- we should have an ability about us and a skill about us that makes the right calls in life. And in fact, if you look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, all the way through the end, you're going to start to see you, we, should, we, we have the ability to have a skill in life. We have the ability to understand what the will of the Lord is and skill to understand the roles in life. And if you know anything about our current day culture, you can see that things are spinning out of control. In fact, it has deteriorated to such a point where people now want to look at gender and say that women are men and men are women. How convoluted, how perverted, how unstraight is this? And so we ought to be the wisest people in the world. When people reflect on us as Christians, they should be able to see this kind of walk. And I purposely wanted to give you the outline for a couple reasons. One is because... As we look at the book of Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, I have worked in a way where we can pull these things out, and I'm giving this to you as, as a roadmap for your own personal devotions. Walking worthy, maybe you're thinking to yourself this morning, I need to practice on walking more worthily. Walking not as a Gentiles, how do they walk and how shouldn't I walk? Walk in love. Walk is light, walk is wisdom. And so I wanted to give you that just so you have some reference where we're going in the next two weeks, but also so you, you can have that personally as, a, as a part of an inductive Bible study from Ephesians chapters 4, 5, and 6. So let me just <clears throat> move us along here, the Christian walk. How do we walk intentionally? How, how should a Christian intentionally walk? Well, what is the meaning of the word walk? And we kind of referenced that a little bit as a child, that illustration. But, but walking is simply this, putting one foot in front of the other. You remember that song? But it's also, it's also never having both feet on the ground at one time, <laughs> right? This is not walking. And sometimes, remember when you're in junior high? Come on, move along, move along, move along. Okay, you know, this little shuffle. No, walking is robustly putting your feet in front of one another and never having two feet on the ground at one time. You're always moving forward. Now, some of us will move forward a lot quicker than others, but those of us who are quick need to look back and say, come on. And those of us who are slower need to say, hey, help me. And so there's an analogy there. It's a daily pattern. We're daily patterning ourselves after what the scripture says. And so what is the meaning here of intentionally walking? 
I hope that's helpful. So as we look here, um, what the meaning of the word intentionally is, so we, we kind of are understanding what the word walk is, but now intentionally what we're talking about here is you're deliberate, you're calculated, you have a purpose. You're purposefully, deliberately calculating how in the world I'm gonna represent Christ. And he's gonna give you all the instructions. All the instructions. So I hope you can see here how should a Christian intentionally walk. So here we go. Chapter four, verses one to three. We should walk worthy. I want you to notice here, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit of God. Now, I want you to notice these three verses, and I want you to see here how important it is that Paul is telling you have a calling, and that calling is to walk worthy. And the second thing in verse 2, if you notice, it has to do with our character. If you notice here, look at verse 2 with all humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love. That is character. That is where we look at the word of God and we hear the word of God and know this. Number three, in verse three, it says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So if you notice, we're called, we're to have character, and also we're to follow the spirit of God. How do we have a worthy walk. Paul says, therefore, and that therefore, I know this is to some of us just so redundant, but it is such an important concept in verse one. Therefore, Paul is referring back to chapters one, two, and three. You cannot miss that. And when Paul says, I'm a prisoner for the Lord, what's amazing about this particular verse is if you think about Paul's perspective, technically speaking, Paul was a Roman prisoner. If you think about it, Paul was in shackles at this point and he was in jail for the cause of the gospel and for the cause of Christ. And yet Paul says, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. He's making this point. I'm a prisoner for the Lord. You see, Paul walked in such a worthy way that he always had a divine understanding. He wanted to know what Jesus Christ thought. And so he's walking as a prisoner for the Lord, and then he's turning this corner, and he's using this word, I, I, I beg you, I urge you. When Paul was before Agrippa at the end of the book of Acts, he was saying the same word to Agrippa, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you to listen to the gospel. I'm pleading with you, I'm begging with you. I was noticing this word, and if you look at the Strong's Concordance and kind of follow this word a little bit, Paul does use it. And he says, I'm urging you, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you. And in fact, in this context, it's about walking worthy, showing a change in your life. And so when Paul's saying, I'm urging you, in fact, other places you can see the word urge here being used where Paul is inclusive and he's talking about an apostolic urging or apostolic begging, if you will, an apostolic pleading where he's saying, we urge you, we plead with you, we want you to move forward. And so Paul is saying, therefore, a prisoner, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And here's the connection here. You cannot do this walk without doctrine. And that's the point. 
That's why I'm bringing out this point of a doctrinal emphasis. You can't have the right character unless you understand what the gospel is talking about. You will not understand what love is unless you understand the doctrine of love and you see what Paul has to say about love and to say about these wonderful doctrines. So doctrine, doctrine and walking have to be together. We fill our minds with the word of God, with the precepts of God, with the rules of God, with the guidelines of God, with the law of God, the commandments of God, right? These are all synonymous terms for the word of God, for the doctrines of God. If you look at Psalms 119 or Psalms 19, I would direct you to Psalms 19. It's just a beautiful, very short psalm, but it just explains all the synonyms of the, of the, gospel, uh, the, synonyms of the word of God. It's the word of God, the law of God, the guidelines of God, the precepts of God. And so you have to have food for your mind in order to have an understanding of how to walk. And so there's a doctrinal emphasis. Okay, let me just pause for a second and ask. Is that clear? Does that make sense? And I'm totally open if you have any feedback or a comment or a question. So we see here there's an emphasis on doctrine. The mind and, and, and now, if you look at verse two, he's going from the mind, the doctrinal emphasis, he's going now to the character emphasis. And so when you look at this, <clears throat> verse two, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Let me just mention what this is talking about. So because God has changed us, he's given us the ability to see, and then what we see, we're going to follow. And so what he's talking about here is humility. And of course, Philippians chapter two, you can't miss the picture of the incarnate God who humbles himself in this lowly walk, not just becoming a man, but becoming a man who was condemned as a criminal, not just becoming a man who was condemned as a criminal, but a man condemned as a criminal who would die, who would die a death. Now that's humility from God. Do you see the doctrine of Philippians chapter two and what he's talking about here is, okay, since we know this, we need to now walk this. That's what he's talking about, the worthy walk. Walk humility. It's a, it's a humble opinion of yourself. And oh, Christian, if you're like me, this was very convicting throughout the week. And Paul fought with this often, just like you and I fight with this. Have a low opinion of yourself. Secondly, he goes like this. He goes, to walk worthy not only means that you're focused on doctrine, your mind is on doctrine, but then you have this flushing out of it in your walk, walking worthy, he's talking about with gentleness. There is a meekness. There is a, you don't want to be a bull in a china shop way about you. You know, this has brought great reflection on my own life. I, I think about myself, you know, when I was a kid, I loved sports. In fact, it got me through school. And I remember becoming good at football, and I remember excelling and, and you know, the thing of it was, I, I became that bull in a china shop. I, 
I did become a bull in a china shop. I was the captain of the football team, but I mean, okay, great, but I didn't lead very well. I, I was that captain because there were certain actions I did that were good, but I have to tell you there were character issues there that were just not humble. They weren't coming alongside people and being gentle with them and helping them understand how to change. But that's what this word is, gentleness, meekness, having a way about us that other people can hear us. So we have that tendency sometimes to just be so focused and so direct, we miss the personal gentleness. And then Paul is saying, in order to show a worthy walk, we have to be people of character. He says with patience. This person, listen to this word and say it with me. Long suffering, okay? Right, it's like a song, let's sing it together. Long suffering, okay? Kind of sound like a Western, I should have a cowboy hat on. Woohoo! But that long suffering, it's a long suffering. And, and it's that word here where we're bearing with one another. We're bearing one another. It's like we're willing to hold each other up. It's like I have to hold you up, and if I drop you, something tragic is going to happen to you. You have to hold me up, and if you drop me, something tragic is going to happen. That's what the word bearing up here means. It means to hold a person up, to carry the load for someone. That's what it means. Um, if you see this in Galatians chapter 6-2, Galatians chapter 6-2, it's an interesting context because it has to do with sin. And it says if anyone is caught in sin, caught like the trap went down and you're caught. I know there's a lot that can be said about being caught in sin. Sometimes that word is used like, okay, you turn the corner and you see someone in sin. They've been, the trap has snapped down on them and they're sinful. But it's interesting, you who are spiritual, restore this person in a spirit of gentleness, bearing with one another. It uses the same term here. It has to do with carrying the load, the painful load. And so you see here, in order to walk worthy, we have to be able to see that God wants our mind to be filled with all the doctrine we've been talking about in the last number of weeks, but also he wants us to put flesh to the, to the mind. He wants us to walk in obedience. And so, also, we see a doctrinal emphasis, we see a character emphasis, and then you cannot miss verse 3 that has to do with the Spirit. You know, if you look at chapter 4, verses 1 to 16, you're going to notice it's all about unity in the Spirit. Now, unity in the Spirit. Do you know, Christian, that you have the Spirit of God living in you? And in fact, Paul's going to make reference to that in, in, uh, in chapter 4. He's going to make reference to that in chapter 5. You know, we read through 1 Corinthians and we see that, the, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God lives in the believer. And when he, when he says here, therefore, in other words, doctrinal emphasis, walk in a manner worthy, verse 2, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. And then he turns the corner, verse 3, Eager, eager, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Now, let me just say this. When it comes to the spirit of God, he has a unity. The spirit of God, if he has his way, we will all think biblically. We will think biblically and act biblically. I mean, wouldn't that be a wonderful atmosphere to be a, par a part of? Where we think 
in the unity of the Spirit of God. That's not thinking the way you think. It's thinking the way the Spirit thinks. He has a unity, and the way he gets us unified, it's based on the Word of God. That's what the Spirit of God does. He continues to bear witness with the mind of God. He continues to bear witness of what comes out of God. And in fact, that's in the book of Corinthians. No one searches the mind of God but the Spirit of God. And when he searches the mind of God, he's letting us know what the mind of God says by us reading and putting in this doctrine. And so we have to, we have to walk in the unity of the Spirit and, and eager to maintain. Here's what this word means, to be diligent or to exert yourself. Be diligent and exert yourself. That's what it means. Eager to maintain. To be diligent and to exert yourself, not with what you think, but be diligent and to exert yourself what the Spirit of God is saying through the Word of God. So, being diligent, and if you notice the word, be diligent, uh, to he says eager to maintain the unity. Okay, unity here is unanimity, unanimity. Unanimity is something where we're all thinking the same thing. That's what unanimity, unanimity is. And so we need to be thinking here, diligently thinking of the Spirit of God, what He has to say. And so, in the bond of peace. So sometimes I might be, sometimes I might be off. And so I need to be encouraged. I need to be exhorted. I need to be corrected. Sometimes you're off and correction. And, and so... Um, we need to do this in the bonds of peace. Notice the very end of it. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We're not a sledgehammer. We're not that china in the bull shop. We come alongside and we try to be godly in the expressions of his word. And we try to help people hear it. I mean, you know this as well as I do. The proverb says this. Is it a loud voice that'll make an impact? Or is it a soft voice? that'll make the impact. I mean, you test it and see how correct the Proverbs are. When you speak that loud voice, which we commonly do to one another, sometimes we can't hear each other. But if we, if we are led by the Spirit of God and confident in what the Spirit of God is saying, then we have a way of saying these things peacefully, cultivating a unity of peace, cultivating a unity of peace. So. So here we have the worthy walk. We're to walk in a manner worthy, okay? So let me ask, any questions, any comments? I hope I'm stirring your mind a little bit. Okay. Okay, so we've, we've seen that point number one, walking worthy. Let's go on to point number two, and let's see where we're at then. And feel free, um, feel free to add a comment. Feel free to add a verse if you think of one. So you can see here, walk not as the Gentiles walk, in chapter four, verse 17. Look at verse 17. Now this I say, 
and I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. I want you to follow verse 18 with me as well. And just think, of, think about their minds. They're darkened, verse 18. In their, they're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Look at verse 20. But that is not the way you have learned, assuming that you have heard about it or heard about him, speaking of Jesus, that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So let me just stop right there and introduce this second point. We are to walk not as the Gentiles walk. If you look at your outline, a Christian is to demonstrate a change of life that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. You've been changed. And so we are called to demonstrate that. The second thing you'll notice, point number B, they walk mindlessly before God. And then point number C, take off the old self and put on the new self. There's this picture that Paul's going to give us. And it's just like taking off a shirt. It's just like taking off a robe. Take it off and put it on. And I hope you can kind of see the comfort in that. I hope you can kind of see the simplicity in that. Because sometimes, for whatever reasons, our minds are just buzzing along and we're not feeling a certain way. And how do you then get back on the right track? There's a certain simplicity that Paul's talking to us about. Stop what you're doing, take the old off, put the new on. That's a comforting thought. It's a very comforting thought. So let's just talk about this together for a minute. Walk not as the Gentiles walk. A Christian's to demonstrate a changed life, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now this verb, it's interesting, this verb walk as a result, uh, or this verb, the way that this verb is in the Greek, it has a result and a purpose attached to it. It's called an infinitive verb. I'm only saying that to say, it's interesting to me that when we're told to walk, that verb, it has a result to it or a purpose to it. So again, we're to walk with result. We're to walk with purpose. So the purpose of your walk is to be different. You are different and you should walk differently. So the result of your walk is to confirm a changed life. That makes sense. So Paul is just affirming here at the very beginning when he says, now I say this and I testify in the Lord. Paul's just affirming what the Lord wants. I'm testifying in the Lord. This is what the Lord wants, that your walk is different because you've been changed. The result of your walk is to confirm a changed, a change has taken place. And that's challenging. So, walk not as the Gentiles walk. And if you notice here in verse 18, they walk mindless before God. And look at verse 17. Now I say, and I testify in the Lord, this is what the Lord would have you to understand, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And notice this, in the futility of their minds. And he's pointing to them. 
You know, what's interesting, and we've been covering this in Romans too, there's us and then there's them. Romans chapter 1 and 2. There's us who have righteousness been revealed. There's them who get the wrath of God. Us who get the righteousness of God because of Christ's work. Them, because of their ungodliness and unrighteousness, get the wrath of God revealed. Similarly, here, you see here that their minds are futile. Their minds. Do you see they're a certain way? Their minds, and Ralph has a question, their minds are a certain way. Our minds are a certain way. And they, their minds are futile. And I'm going to yield to Ralph for three minutes. Ralph, sorry. <laughs> the, man, the, man from Georgia, the man from South Carolina. Go there ahead. There you go. Uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, when this change occurs, there should be evidence. And the evidence of that changing is fruit. And so we can begin to see it in a person's life. So it shouldn't only just be something that's subtle, but something that's obvious. And I yield the floor back to the man, the man from New Jersey. Do you hear what Ralph says? There just needs to be evidences. I, Ralph is my coach, by the way. Ralph loves sports. I love sports. Ralph. Ralph loves Jesus. I love Jesus. Ralph is my coach. I'm telling you, Ralph is my coach. But do you hear what Ralph says? There should be evidences. Craig. Yeah, and it, you know, in that same sentence, in that same phrase, it's both. It's it's their mind and their walk. They're both in that. It's just the issue with the unbelievers is they're chasing after empty things. And that's why the doctor, as you pointed out, is really important on the front end, knowing what, what things are of value, chase after those, as we're about to get into, put off and put on. It's not, it's chasing after those things that are worthy of chasing. Craig, are you familiar with the word futility? Yes. I didn't want to put you on the spot, but could, could you just mention what that is? It's useless, pointless, uh, and it does not result in anything of value. Did you catch that? Useless? They, so, because they cut themselves off from God, we bring the gospel to them. We, we, who have the righteousness of Christ, bring them who are going to have the wrath of God because of sin, we bring them the gospel, and what do they do? They cut God off. They're unthankful to God. They cut him off, and then in the futility of their mind, the emptiness of their mind, the worthless of their mind, what else, how else did you say that, Craig? They're just pursuing worthless things. They're greedy for and going after. So their mind leads their feet to walk towards useless things. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. They're just walking towards mindless, empty things. So thank you, Ralph. Thank you, Craig. And feel free, bring it on. So, I mean, we see here that we ought, to, we ought to have evidences. We see this all over the Bible, but, you know, just sticking within the context of what Ephesians is encouraging us to do, they walk, mind, they walk mindless. We've just been talking about this. Our minds are full. Sometimes our minds are so full, we kind of walk, you know. <laughs> so we're trying, to get, we're trying to get balanced here. Elevation in our thinking and evidences in our walk. 
purpose in our walk, evidences in our walk. It shows people Jesus is alive because he's alive in that believer. I mean, what a beautiful picture. And this is what we're being called to. Don't walk like that. Walk like this. And so their minds are, are ineffective. Their minds are powerless. Their minds are vain because of their callous hearts. And if you notice because of their callous hearts, really what you see there is their, what you see there is their character. You see, from our character, because we've been changed and given the righteousness of God, and we've been born again, and we have a new nature about us, our passions are different, our thinking is different, and God just continues to grow us in what we think. They, on the other hand, they have their minds darkened and ineffective. And as a result of their hearts continuing to be calloused, they walk in a certain way. Their character shows who they are. And so if your pattern in life as a Christian, you keep seeing this pattern, keep running to the cross, keep running to Christ and beg him to take whatever that is away. I've heard John Piper talk on this subject. I've heard many godly men talk on this subject. Keep running to Christ. Do not allow your mind to get the best of you. Have a godly mind and therefore let it and have a godly heart and let that develop those godly characters. Here, you see their walk is mindless before God, and as a result, their character, look at verse 19, they become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. This is what we've been talking about in Romans chapter 1. We've been hearing Paul tell the Roman church, you have given yourself up to sensuality. You've been giving yourself up to greed. You want more and more and more, not as... You just don't have enough. You want more. You practice every kind of impurity. You practice every kind of impurity. That's how the, the Gentiles do. That's how they do it. We don't do it like that. And Paul's saying that in verse 20. You've been taught a better way. And in fact, in verse 20, you've been taught a better way. Examine yourself, Christian. 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says, examine yourself to see if you're in the Lord. I think what Paul's doing here is at the end of all of this in verse 20, but that is not the way you learned Christ. He's reflecting back. If you notice the past emphasis on the sentence, but that's a contrast. They go like this. We go like this. We have not. We have not. That is not the way we've learned Christ. That is not the way. And so we can't justify our sin. We, we can't justify certain patterns in our lives. We must have a humble, lowly walk. And that walk ought to lead us, not as the Gentiles would walk. Question by Julius. I'll yield to the man from, from North Bay Healthcare. I was actually born of the Spirit, reborn. Okay. Okay. She that. I'll yield to the man who's born in the Spirit. Um, I, I just... I have a question about the, I guess, the analogy of running to Jesus. Like, is that a biblical that I mean, because I guess I, I wonder about the idea of uh, that by faith in Christ we are made righteous and we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. So do we any longer have to run to Jesus or is it just the Spirit that is now within us eternally going to help us to walk in the manner that we're going to walk? Thank you for your question, Julius. 
And um, <clears throat> any kind of an analogy or illustrations I give, feel free to throw them aside and then allow your mind to be back on what the scripture says. I'm trying my best to just illustrate what Paul's saying and as an imperfect man. Um, so, Julius, I love your question and maybe you and I can um, chop it up and kind of look at it. I like that. And so i um, totally open to that right here. I know when we look at this here, they walk mindless. And I'll, I'll go out to say they not only walk that way, but they run. Their character, they, they're running to greed. They're running to all of these things, their sensualities, their greedy practices of every kind and every kind of impurities. They run to do that. But we're not, we're not like that. Verse 20, but that is not the way you've learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. This is a very challenging couple verses right here. It's a contrast. The word but there is a contrast, and we need to take what Paul's saying very seriously. They are in darkness, verse 18, they're in darkness in their understanding, alien from the life of God. Verse 20 then, but we are not like that. And so we have to keep asking ourselves, why are we walking a certain way? I don't know how you're walking, but this is a reflective verse here. But that is not the way you have learned Christ. There is a challenge here. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, you would think that Paul is talking to the Ephesian people and they were they were exposed to all sorts of deep depravity. Princess Di or goddess Diana, the, the goddess of love, they were involved to all sorts of homosexual practices, all sorts of perversions of orgies, all sorts of debauchery when it came to drinking. I mean, the, the more ecstatic or the, the more frenzied you could become, the more spiritual you were in some of these cultures, Think about that. The more frenzied you could come, the more emotional you could become, the more spiritual you are. That's, that's, how, that's how some, that's not how Christians think, but that's how some pagan, that's how some false religions, the more frenzied you can become, the more emotional you can become, <laughs> the more godly you are. And so what he's talking about here is make sure you're challenging yourself. There's a better way examine yourself to make sure you're listening and your mind is about what God says through Christ. Assuming that you've heard, see the word heard about him, you were taught in him as the truth in Jesus. Okay, lastly, it just says verse 22 to 24. So here we have, don't walk as the Gentiles, and he's challenging them. He's challenging them as Christians to demonstrate a changed life. And then what he's saying to them is they walk mindless. And you know, it's interesting if you think about it, he's writing to Christians because Christian, Christians can stumble and fall. But in verse 22, put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed by the spirit of your minds. It starts with the mind and the heart. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. 
But I want you to just to see that point from verse 22 to 24 of chapter 4. You are resolved and purposeful to lay aside the old self. You should be resolved and purposeful to lay aside the old self. Take off and put on. I mean, we hear this in Colossians chapter 3 where it says, put to death. If you've been made anew, keep seeking after the things above. Put to death. Here, he's just giving another analogy. Take off the old and put on the new. You are new. That's why you can do that. You see, they can't. They don't have anything but a flat line. They're dead in their sins. They don't even want God. They don't even want to put something new on. If they did want to put something new on, I'm talking about strictly the non-Christian, they would do it because of they, they want to gain popularity in society. They want to gain approval by man. They want, to, they want to gain more wealth. They're doing it to gain something within themselves. And so, but the Christian does it to please God. And so take off the old to please God and put on the new because he has changed you. And the result is to confirm a changed life. And so I'll read this and then we'll be done. So we'll have a moment here to take a break before our main service. To put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in your spirit, in the spirit of your mind. If you notice, that's, that's the disposition a man has. You should work hard to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, if you have any questions, just come see me afterward, afterwards. I would love to talk to you about that. Okay, we covered two. So next week, we'll cover our last three of them. Walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. All right. Lord, thank you for this time. It's practical. We see it. Lord, may we yield to you. May we give you the glory as a result of our changed lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.